Before we share today's episode with you, I just wanted to note that it was recorded before the coronavirus pandemic. It's really hard to believe how much life has changed in such a short time, but here we are. My wish is that this podcast will continue to bring inspiration and hope to your lives. Be well and enjoy. Hello, hello. Welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. I'm so pleased to have you here. Thanks for joining me. It's a lovely day. I I'm, I'm hope you're enjoying your day as well. So my name is Sarah Buino, and I'll be your host for today. And I wanted to share with you a couple things. I've named these all this month already, so I'm going to just share them again very briefly. We've got a Patreon where you can donate a little bit of money each month if you enjoy the podcast. We've got Apple Podcast where you can rate and review. We've got Instagram at Head Heart Therapy if you want to hang out on social media or Facebook at Wounded Healer and that's W-O-U-N-D-E-D-H-E-A-L-R. Without further ado, let me introduce today's guest. Today's guest is Gregory Kufakos, and he is a certified addiction counselor and recovery coach and founder of Velocity. Velocity is an in-motion approach to capturing the interest and energy of emerging men and mentoring them to healthy, happy, independent lives. And he also has a book that should be coming out shortly. So I really hope you enjoy my interview with Gregory. Hello, Gregory Kufakos. Welcome to Conversations with Wounded Healer. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. Did I say it right? You did. I win. I am the winner. <laughs> you are. You are a winner. I am a winner. There can be many winners. <laughs> no, you're, you're the winner. Chicken dinner. <laughs> we digress. Thank you for joining me. I'm excited to chat today. Likewise. Likewise. Yeah. So... I often like to start telling listeners how I met my guests and it's people mm -hmm. ask all the time, like, how do you find your guests? And I'm like, you know what? They find me. Mm -hmm. And you and I got to meet at the Cape Cod Symposium for Addictive Disorders. Yes. At a luncheon. Right. That I got invited to at the last second. Oh, really? And it was literally a half an hour before lunch. I ran into a friend and she was like, you should come to lunch. We're, we're having just a small, intimate experience. And I went and it was actually a very eye-opening experience for me because yeah? I had been going to that conference for a few years now. And, you know, I feel like I know everybody but at that luncheon, I only knew the person that invited me and maybe one other person. Oh, cool. So it was a real spiritual experience for me to see that no matter how many times you think you know everything and everyone, mm -hmm. that's absolutely not true. So mm -hmm. yeah, it was great. Just to kind of piggyback on, on what you just said, I'd love to get your view on the field of addiction because I hope that there's a shift. I hope that there's a changing of the guard because I saw a lot of stuff there that I really was not happy about. <laughs> so first, I want you to tell people more about who you are and what you do and how you came to be. Ooh, wow. Right. So just a yeah. very small question. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little, just a little question. Well, baby question. Well, I don't know if you knew this, but my specialization is in addiction counseling. Mm -hmm. I came into the field in 2006 as an addiction counselor after my master's program. 
and I've been in the field of addiction counseling throughout. And I've worked at all of the different what we call levels of care Mm -hmm. from acute inpatient, which is like shorter to one month programs to Mm -hmm. six month to a year wilderness, everything. Yes. So that's how I came into the field and I ended up going my own route, doing my own work. And I naturally settled on working with a very, very specific demographic, which is young men, or what I call Mm -hmm. emerging men, because they're not men yet. Mm. They're emerging. They're trying to emerge from boyhood Mm. into manhood. And that would be roughly the ages 16 to 30. And so that's what I do. Awesome. What made you decide to become an addiction counselor? I had done a lot of unique things in my life. I had traveled. I had worked a lot of different jobs. When I finally got inspired to grow up and Mm. to find a path in my life, I was already getting close to 30 years old. And I knew I didn't want to spend a decade of my life in school. Mm -hmm. So when I went into the graduate program, I told the chair of the department, he was a real cool guy. I was like, listen, I'm really interested in psychology and becoming a therapist, but I want the quickest route possible. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he said, well, as luck would have it, we have a concentration with working with a population that nobody wants to work with. (laughs) Right. And I said, which one? He said, addiction. I said, I'll do it. (laughs) I'm in. Sign me up. Mm -hmm. So that's my very inglorious beginning. If you were to ask me now why I got into this field, that would be a much more a deeper answer because I think I really, this is my calling Mm -hmm. and I do believe it will flower into some greater things, you know, through the course of my life. But this was a perfect fit for me. And it was perfect for a variety of reasons. But I think the most important is, you know, when you're working with addiction, you're working with very high stakes. Yep. The name of the game is life and death. Yep. And that's very good for somebody like me because I'm a very intense person. So my style is extremely off-putting to somebody that's just looking to make a couple of retools in their life. But it's very attractive to somebody who sees that they're on a fast track to an abyss. And I also loved, although this has changed, but addiction counseling was one of the few areas in psychotherapy where you could boldly tackle the concept of spirituality. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, when Mm -hmm. I came in the field, I was in these psychology courses. And if you even brought up the word Mm -hmm. God or spirituality, you were proselytizing. Right, right. And for me, I saw that coming into this awakening of what this universe and what this life really is, is what it's all about. So this has been my calling. And I, you know, to the title of your podcast, I have probably healed myself as much, if not more, Mm -hmm. as the people that I have helped. Oh, yeah. That is absolutely, I think, necessary. One quick aside, do you know the Enneagram? 
Because <laughs> so you're 20... a four, if I have ever heard a four before. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. I'm going to have to look that up. I'm obsessed with it. Oh, really? What about an eight? Because some people say you're an eight. So the four is really all about authenticity, individuality, okay. intensity, deep emotional, like, mm. it's just, you're a four. Anyone who says you're an eight, they're dumb. <laughs> My wife said that. Oh, no. I'm just kidding. She I'm probably kidding. knows you better, actually. Than no, no, I, I'm just kidding. <laughs> No. Do look it up though. I I would be very curious. Yeah, I'm I'm obsessed with it. And so now I'm like obsessed with guessing what are people's you? numbers. I'm a three, which is the achiever, the performer. So you have your main number and then mm -hmm. the number on either side, you usually skew towards one or the other, but I pretty equally skew for two and four. So I get like the intense emotionality, the desire for authenticity. Clearly, like you and I both mm. express ourselves visually in a yes. very unique way. <laughs> Yes, we do. So that's one reason I was like, all right, we're going we're going vibe. We're going vibe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you, can I tell you an interesting synchronicity? Yeah. Just this past weekend, my brother and I, both my brothers and I actually, we gifted our mother with a weekend retreat with the guy who created the Enneagram. <gasps> I thought it was a woman who created it. I'll have to check later and I'll text it to you. But he was yeah. up at this retreat center in Massachusetts. And yeah, so she just went up and learned all about it. Oh, amazing. Well, then ask her what you are. Because mm, now that she's learned all about it, she'll know. Yeah. <laughs> Although your mother, your mother sees you. That's true. In a different light. That's and true. And this is part of like when I work with these young men. Everybody sees them in a particular light. Mm -hmm. But when I see them, I see them in a different light. Right. Yeah. And I would venture a guess, since you already brought up the topic of spirituality, which is one of my favorite things to talk about. I was having this conversation with a friend last night, too, because her dad was a sociopath. My dad was a narcissist with sadistic features. And mm -hmm. we were talking about the authentic self versus the way that people just learn to survive and these mm -hmm. adapted survival strategies that then become what a layman would think is the person's personality, right? Like I grew up mm -hmm. just thinking my dad was an asshole and then right. I went to school and then I also developed my own spiritual beliefs and recognized like, no, he was just really afraid and really hurting and something mm -hmm. bad happened to him. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but mm -hmm. something bad happened to create that false personality, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder if that's kind of your belief structure too and what you're seeing with your clients. Yeah, definitely. It's certain traits become prominent. They develop armor, yep. things that they feel protect them. And certain parts of the person become lost mm -hmm. or abandoned. And with men, the men that I work with, the young men, that becomes very common. So a lot of what we're doing is reintegrating or rediscovering parts of them that either they had abandoned long ago mm -hmm. or they never they never even knew that it existed. Is that a personal journey that you were on as well? Oh, definitely. I had a very and I was going to say, too, because I can relate to your journey with your father, mm. you know, not to put any labels on my father per se, but I think we all go through this. But one thing you learn 
as you mature in life is you see how difficult life is Mm -hmm. and you see that how hard it is to raise a family, to Mm -hmm. maintain a marriage, to keep your body, mind and spirit healthy decade after decade. So Mm -hmm. you develop more understanding for what those who went before you have gone through. Mm-hmm. But for me, yes, I definitely cut off a lot of parts of myself. And fortunately, I have desire, I, I have acquired this hunger to seek out and find all of who I am. That particular part of my journey is something that the young men that I work with really feed off of, mm-hmm. that they see that I am single focused and fearless in that mission. And they say, well, if he's willing to do it Mm -hmm. and showing how he does it, then it's okay for me to do it. Mm -hmm. Are you fearless or you just really have a really good relationship with your fear? That's a great question. I think, and this is part of what happened to me in my life. I have a character trait, which is confidence. Mm -hmm. And sometimes my confidence is so big that it cancels out my fear. Mm -hmm. But that's not the same as really working through fear. So one of the things I've learned to do is to tone down my confidence Mm -hmm. so I can hear within myself when I am scared and when I can label fear as fear. Right. Because you've heard the common men hide their fear with anger. Mm-hmm. I am very guilty or that's mm-hmm. a that's something that can happen to me. Mm-hmm. The anger comes so quick yeah. that I'm not able to see that I'm really scared of something. Yeah. So to answer your question, I would like to say I am a very confident, driven person mm-hmm. that sometimes drives right through fear, but I'm learning how to really work with fear. Yeah, because otherwise it's a bypass, right? It is. Like, And it's part of, I can relate to that as well, being a very mm-hmm. confident person, always putting myself out there and, you know, people would perceive me as fearless and... Right, and we're not. <laughs> right, right. The way I would describe it for me is that probably like I will jump and then I don't start feeling the fear until I'm like halfway through the free fall and I'm like holy shit, that was crazy. Why didn't I think about that before I jumped? Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> and then I go back and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm scared shitless. <laughs> yeah, you're you're a warrior. And yeah, yeah. as warriors, we end up in battles. Mm-hmm. And it's something about us that there is a tendency to move too fast. Yeah. For me, a lot of that was growing up too quickly. I felt mm-hmm. like I had to rely on myself. Yes, so yes, yes, yes. Oh. That's been a lot of the journey is to mm-hmm. slow down and mm-hmm. really feel life instead of rushing through it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and you're you either are writing or you have written a book, right? Yeah, we're is it gonna come out soonish? It is, it is. Uh we're gonna be done with it by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be done. And we're looking to publish in early spring of 2020. Oh, good. It's taken me a little over three years to write it. Mm -hmm. And it is documenting this method that I use to reach this emerging male audience. Mm -hmm. And what I've found 
about why that audience is unique and why typical or traditional therapies are in themselves not sufficient Mm -hmm. and statistically they are not really working with that population. Mm -hmm. So that's what the book is about. Very cool. And I think too, we're at a very interesting time in history where like it or not, people are mad about dudes taking Mm -hmm. shit over and fucking it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. there's a rise of, you know, the divine feminine and what whatever you want to call it. And the thing that's interesting is, you know, I think more often than not, people who are in the the field are women, right? And so we then have a propensity to working with women and trying to empower women and whatnot. And right. yet, unless the men are actually taught to take ownership an agency of their own healing and their own process and their own reactions to what happens if, you know, a woman steps in and takes your power away from you. Because just recently in Chicago, a woman was killed because she didn't respond to a man's cat call, right? Like that's horrifying and terrifying. And someone needs to be working with these men to recognize how do you tolerate the discomfort of not getting your way? Because that's where the future is headed. And I am really glad that someone's doing that work. Yeah. And that's a big part of the process is teaching Mm -hmm. men and us as a tribe of men, teaching each other and teaching ourselves that we cannot take what we want. We have to earn and work and and there's a collaboration Mm -hmm. with the divine feminine, with the female, with the earth. Mm -hmm. We can't keep just take, 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 Mm -hmm. taking. It's about getting into a relationship, the male and the female. And the men that I work with are really shut down. They don't know the process of Mm -hmm. really getting into that relationship with life and with themselves. And that's why they get so stuck. Mm -hmm. And that's where addictions become big. But Mm -hmm. this is, this is now You know, having written the book now, I see that this is certainly a national phenomenon at every age. Mm -hmm. So I meet 50-year-old, 60-year-old, quote-unquote, men. They have not matured a day Mm -hmm. over 15. Right. And if that's the males that are Mm -hmm. the teachers and mentors, Mm -hmm. then the young young guys have no hope. Exactly. I.e., look at Congress. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And our president, like, good God. Yeah. You know, you can look at all throughout life. But, you know, my aim is not to diagnose life or to criticize any particular field, you know, like Mm -hmm. politics or religion. Or it's merely to walk a path and allow and be on that path with other emerging men and other men. Mm Mm-hmm. And that journey is such a beautiful challenge and such an arduous challenge Mm -hmm. that to take your focus off of that and to look at what others are doing or what's going on in the world, there's just not an option. It's such a steep climb that we're doing. And I see that if I continue on the road that I'm on, I'm able to impact other young men right? and then me. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a movement. Yeah. 
and then yeah. they get to support other people who come behind them. So yeah, I think yeah. that's when I get overwhelmed with the macro and, and the bigger picture stuff, I, tr I just try to remember that. Like I get to work with students who are then going to become therapists who get to impact clients. I get to impact clients who then impact people in their lives. And mm -hmm. that's just the best that I can do. That's exactly right. And that's hard enough and good enough. <laughs> Right. You know. Right. Yeah. Right. Tell my childhood wounds that uh, they won't listen, but <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right. Because it's my job to fix the world, Gregory. Like, duh. Ah, you have that job, eh? Oh, yeah. And it is fucking oh, man. heavy as shit. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, you're tuned into a lot of people have this direct intuition or they tune into the state of life. Mm -hmm. And it's heavy. The title of your podcast, this wounded healer comes, I think, from Jung, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Jung was somebody who had that mm -hmm. direct sense. And he went through horrible bouts of depression through the mm -hmm. world wars and seeing what people were doing and capable of. So yeah, well, that that does beg the question, then, do you consider yourself a healer? You know, it's interesting. I know you, there was a question, I think, on your website or something mm -hmm. about that. Do I consider myself a healer? I don't know. I really don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think sometimes I do when I have great sessions right. and I'm like skipping <laughs> through the streets, right? you yeah. know, and I'm mm -hmm. thinking I am a healer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then when I suck, I say I am a loser. Right. <laughs> I feel like I am where I'm supposed to be. You know, mm -hmm. we broke a chair to our dining set hmm. and I, I took it to this local guy and he said, I am a furniture doctor. Okay? Oh, I love that. His warehouse was just beautiful. It was like the North Pole of furniture, you know, wow. like little this and that and he worked with his father from the time he was 10 years old. And this guy is probably close to 70. So I feel like my work is with the psyche. Mm -hmm. It's with the soul. That is what I do. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, I am where I'm supposed to be. If you look at my work with men, then probably I have the capacity to be a part of a healing process mm -hmm. because the men that I'm working with are making dramatic transformations. Mm -hmm. They're going from one extreme of just depression and isolation and addiction and powerlessness to a path that is really going somewhere in life and they feel good about it and they are independent and happy. So mm -hmm. I would say more than healer, I probably transformer. Yeah. If I knew the Transformers theme song, I would sing it right now, but I don't. The Transformers more than meets, meets the eye. Yes. The Transformers. Yes. Robots in disguise. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. I was yeah, I just kept thinking the She-Ra theme song for whatever reason. <laughs> clearly my brother was watching Transformers, I was watching She-Ra. Yeah. Yes. That's so great. I love that though. And I'm curious because you you consider yourself a coach, right? A mentor. Okay, a mentor. And yeah. and did you choose that title because you're stepping into more of a spiritual realm? 
Yeah, I think it was to distinguish between what I do is so different from Mm -hmm. what I guess I'm I'm not going to say typical, but Mm -hmm. what most therapy approaches Mm -hmm. are. Right. And I have respect for all of those therapy approaches, by the way. And most of the emerging men that I work with end up working with more traditional therapy. Mm -hmm. Okay. But what I do is so different. And I view it as a more mythological Mm -hmm, journey mm -hmm. rather than pathological, Mm -hmm, you know. mm -hmm. So I felt like a coach, that field has been pretty well defined, but I felt like mentor was the best term for what I'm doing. Yeah. And you've already mentioned, you know, the term wounded healer a couple of times. Do you identify Mm -hmm. with that label? Definitely. Everything comes through the wounds and the openings that I've had. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Everything. That's what enables me. You know, I'm I'm very grateful for the wounds that I have acquired in my life. And I see now how those wounds were openings to something greater. Mm -hmm. I didn't see that at the time. And when they recrop up, you know, and they get the best of me, I am frustrated and scared. And Mm -hmm. there are periods of that as well. But I can see that without these wounds, I certainly would not be on this path. Mm -hmm. This got me very interested in who am I really? Like, and what Mm -hmm. are we really? What's the, why are we here? Yeah, I feel like at least what I'm finding for myself right now, I'm I'm in the midst of doing this pretty intensive trauma training. And I just had the realization recently that, oh, I'm in this trauma training and that means I'm also doing my trauma work. That's why I feel so crazy. Yes. Thanks. And so the thing that I'm bumping up against is there's a shift right now where we're really being called to step out of binary labels for things mm-hmm. and a binary understanding of the way that things work. And yet our brains, that's how we make sense of the world. Mm-hmm. And I keep hearing the message in so many different places and areas of my life that, yes, like we need our wounds. And, yeah. you know, a lot of the conversations on this podcast is people talking about, you know, learning from their wounds and mm-hmm. using those mm-hmm. in their work rather than letting being used by the wound. And yet there's, right. still, there's still a deep part of me that is like, fuck this shit. I don't mm-hmm. want to have pain anymore. I'm fucking tired of it. That's right. You know, and I will, I will tell you that one thing that I found working with these emerging men, the typical course of therapy, when you come in with the problems that the guys that I work with have, mm-hmm. people target straight to the pain. They imagine that if they go to the pain and they work on the pain and the pain diminishes, mm-hmm. then these men will grow. But to your point, we carry these for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. See, so I found that when 20 year old young man comes to me, I do not take them to the pain. Rather, I want to immediately start to work with them and mentor them and move alongside life with them to lead them and to go on a path of victory. I want them to feel what it feels like to win. Right. And when they do that, see, there's the beginning of the podcast. You're a winner. They want (laughs) to feel what it feels like to win. 
And mm-hmm. if you win enough times and you keep a certain humility and perspective about that, you get strong enough to tackle the wounds. So it's a question of order. So I have mm-hmm. found a lot more success in I don't talk to these men about their feelings and their fears. And mm-hmm. it's just about bonding with them and moving on a path of success. Mm-hmm. One thing that I've I've really been thinking a lot about in the past couple of years in my own spiritual journey is from a psychological standpoint, we need to build ego strength with our clients first. And that's exactly what you're talking about. And then yes. from a spiritual perspective, once we have that ego strength, then we begin the unwinding and the unlearning and the letting go of that in order to move to deeper spiritual levels. And that's something that I found with my clients too. And if we're trying to just bypass and like not have the ego at all, our clients who don't have that foundation, they're going to crumble. And of course, they're going to continue to go back to using substances because of duh. course. <laughs> Of course. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That shit is painful. And the ego is going to need relief. Mm -hmm. Forget about, Mm -hmm. you know, that there's a choice in the matter. Mm -hmm. It is going to missile seek Mm -hmm. for something that can give it relief. But like I said, after working with these men for amount of time, they do become strong enough and ready to seek out that deeper healing which includes facing their pain. Right. Well, and that kind of leads to, we, we started off and I said I might want to talk about kind of industry stuff. I feel like in Chicago, we've got a really, we actually have a really good addiction community. And mm-hmm. I feel pretty confident sending people to most treatment centers. Like I at least know somebody in every treatment center who I think is awesome is going to like take care of my clients for me. Mm-hmm. And what I saw at CSAD and what I, the more that I understand the national world of addiction, the more things I see that I don't like. And the thing that I see the most that gets in the way of really good treatment is ego and the ego of these treatment centers, the ego of the people that run them, the lack of doing your own depth work. (laughs) Cause if you're not doing your own work, of course your ego is going to get in the way. And Mm -hmm. talking about like this emerging man kind of category, like I see Mm -hmm. so much of that person representing treatment centers and I'm not into that. I'm so not into that. And I really, I really hope that the good old boys club just starts recognizing that nobody wants to be sold a treatment center. I want to feel that this treatment center is going to love and care for my client the same way that I do. Mm-hmm. I, I have a client who I'm trying to get into treatment right now. And so I'm having a lot of different conversations with these marketing folks and the ones who want to sell me, I'm like, I don't even want to talk to you. Just give me your clinical person because mm-hmm. you're not speaking my language. So I, I don't know what you're seeing since you're also on a national scale. Listen, this field of addiction recovery has gone through the most profound alterations in the last decade. Mm. And part of that is because of the influx of money. Mm. And that's because of the growing number of people mm-hmm. that are needing and seeking treatment. Yeah. I haven't seen any statistics about how many more people are seeking treatment or how many more rehabs there are. But I can just tell you from like mm-hmm. a kind of a common sense, you know, this is what it was like 10 years ago. And this is what it's like now. There's been just a lot of influx of more providers. Mm -hmm. And it's no longer just a few big places that you can go. It's a lot of different things. And people are very desperate. 
when you're desperate, you know, you, Mm -hmm. you look out for a lifeline. So I think it's just a very unique time in this Mm -hmm. field. Yeah. I mean, things have already been crashing and burning in in different areas. And I, again, kind of the, the back to this idea of the wound, like, right, the, the wounds of our industry, we need Mm -hmm. to be learning from them instead of acting from them. And I, I hope that continues to shift. Mm-hmm. Well, and you, you said something, you said, maybe a lot of people, you're wondering how much depth work mm-hmm. are they doing? Mm-hmm. And we have always known in this field, you can only take a person as far as you yourself have gone. Right. So once your journey stops mm-hmm. and you start to regress, it limits your ability to take people on this journey. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting question to think about and for people to think about as they're in this work. You know, how much of my own work am I doing? Right. And then, you know, what gets in the way of that? I mean, when I, I'm starting mm-hmm. to do now wounded healer seminars, the things that get in the way of it for people, you know, it's it's fear. And we talked about that earlier. Like, I feel like I do have a different relationship to fear than most people do. I think that there are some of us that really just take it and run with it. And and a lot of people just can't come at it that way. And Mm -hmm. one of the things I want to do is just like inspire and support people to take that step because the pain and the fear is just getting in the way of of helping as many people as we can. I'm with you. Mm -hmm. I share that journey. I Mm -hmm. love to inspire other professionals in our field how to take on their own journey. Mm -hmm. And I found working with these emerging men that the single greatest thing I can offer them is my journey. Right, exactly. That actually gets imparted to them through some mirror neuron osmosis. Mm -hmm. I don't know Mm -hmm. what it is. But the work that you do on yourself mm-hmm. as a professional, right. as a parent, that impacts the person that you're, quote unquote, trying to help more than a lecture or a technique. Right. Well, do you want to share with folks where they can find out more about your work and connect with you? The best place to see what we're doing is through our website, which is Velocity Mentoring. Mm-hmm. Dot com, And, you know, that has links to everything. Mm-hmm. And then keep a lookout for the book, which is going to be out, you know, it looks like in late March, mm-hmm. which is called The Primal Method. Mm-hmm. And that will be a resource for emerging men and mm-hmm. for really anybody who works with or loves these young men. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, too. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Gregory. I really appreciated that conversation. It was wonderful. To learn more about Gregory, you can find information at www.headhearttherapy.com slash podcast. Thanks as always to Andrea Clunder and the Creative Imposter Studios for editing, to Liam O'Donnell for the album art, and to Ben Mueller for our theme music. Until next time, bye-bye.